Thank you, Tools. Good morning, everybody. It's so good to see your happy summer faces. And um, as we've said before, December has crash-landed upon us, and the year is over, and we're about to be given a brand new year. Isn't that amazing? So I don't know what your 23 has been like, your 2023 has been like, but um, it may have been good, average or indifferent. But um, one of the mysteries and the wonders of God is that he gives us a new year. And um, I like new years. We all got these resolutions we know. But uh, he's a God who gives good gifts. And, he, and I believe God wants to bless us. Amen. Is there anybody that thinks that God doesn't want to bless you? Even in hardship, even in difficulty, even in a winter, you'll look back and think, gee, that was a winter and that was a tough season. But man, have I grown from it. So I'm um, really trusting and praying that God would be good to you. Um, one of the things that I would encourage you over December is an old truth that we, I struggle with, which is be still and know that I'm God. And um, we, we are addicted to problems and uh, stuff and media and we, we just, we, we buzzing guys. And, and the, the, the system of the world, the grand plan of, of the prince of this air is to get us to to be unstilled, to be unsettled, and to worry, amen, and to stress. And uh, this wonderful thing is because when you still and stop, you find that your stuff, your anxieties, your troubles, your worries, what am I going to do for Christmas, your relational breakdowns, you may have family relational breakdowns, and Christmas is a horrible time for you. It just reminds you of, of family breakdown. It could be that you are excluded. It could be that somebody's offended with you and there's a wonderful truth is be still and know that I'm God. Um, I know that we all want to be effective, amen? I don't think there's a person here who says, no, I don't want to be effective. We all want to be effective with the things of God. We long for victorious living, what I think Francois was saying. We, we want to be victorious, amen? And we want to be effective and God is, is like cheering us on. I don't know a father who says, I want you to come last in your race, well, I want you to come second, but you mustn't come first, you know? And so we want to be effective, and we want to be accepted. I want to be accepted by you. Can I say that? I don't like it when I'm not accepted. We all want to be accepted by God. We want to be included. We want to know that we are loved, amen? Why am I saying these things? I have no idea. Um, we, we, want to, we want to feel loved. We want to be known. I want you to know me. I want you to love me, even in my averageness. You want to be loved. You want to be known. You want to be included. You want to be, you want to belong. Amen. And, and 24, 2024, I think I want to step again into the purposes of God. I want to resolve to step once again into the things of God. Um, as Tula was said this morning that uh, if, you know, if you're dead, you're dead. You need a miracle. But once again, God says, why, why stir up the gift that is in you by the laying on of my hands, fan into flame. And I want to encourage you to be still, to say, God, I, I want to be effective, but I also, I, I ask you to once again, renew me. I, I want to ask you to use me. I want, you to, I want to be effective. I want to be a better husband. I want to be kinder to my wife. I want to be a good parent, whatever it is. Amen. I want to be a good elder, whatever you are. And so, I want to talk to you this morning out of Psalm 74, which is a little bit of a risk, if I can say, but, uh, but wonderful. And I've entitled it, took me a while, In Anticipation of You, God Moving Again, is my title this morning. 
as we kind of just before our Christmas service in anticipation of you moving, God, once again. Come, Lord Jesus, come. And that's the best title I can, I can find. Psalm 74 is a prayer model. So sometimes people say, well, I don't know what to pray. And I, I, I want to suggest to you that perhaps Psalm 74 is a psalm that um, you can pray over December into January. You can, sometimes we want to pray this prayer, then that prayer, then that prayer, then that prayer. But, but it's perfectly in order to go to a psalm. You can go to Psalm 23. You can go to Psalm 51 if you're in trouble. You can certainly go to Psalm 73, which are one of my all-time favorite psalms. But Psalm 74 is, um, is a prayer model and it's quite a gutsy one. It's not sort of a nice little Sunday afternoon prayer. It's quite a, a gutsy um, sort of petition and plea from a, it's either a man called Asaph, the theologians are very confused or lots of opinions. It could be a descendant of Asaph, um, who's, who's one of the, the psalmists. Asaph is one of the heavy hitters of the Psalms. He's a leader in David and Solomon's time. But so this is what appears to be way after Solomon's time, so it could be a descendant of, of Asaph or some of Asaph's plural descendants. Anyway, that's a whole thing. And um, it's, uh, Israel is in a state of trouble once again. And you might think, if you look around the world, I think the church, certainly um, Israel as a nation in the Middle East is in trouble once again. There's trouble. The world is hating on Israel. There's, there's complicated, very... Um, uh, intense stuff going on in the natural. And if you look at the spiritual, if you drive a Berea Road, you'll see the old, I think it's the Glenwood Presby Church has been bought and it's been turned into a gym. Amen? Is that right, Merv? And uh, I think the Muslims have bought it because the Christians have gone to sleep. Amen? We, we sometimes go to sleep and we sometimes get, get, and so these amazing churches that have been, people have poured huge money in over the ages. We won't even talk about France or Germany or England. They'd like bingo halls, they houses of ill repute, they offices. And so sometimes we see that the enemy pushes and encroaches. And so this is a, a, um, a prayer for God to move once again. Amen. And it's a helpful model for you to maybe pray over December. And I'm going to try and um, explain that to you as best I can or open it up as best I can. I've, I've spent ages looking at it, reading commentaries, listening to one or two sermons, and um, there's a cycle in the church. There's a cycle in the history of Israel. There's a cycle, I hope not in our lives, but it's a cycle that we need to know about. There's prosperity and blessing. That's what happens is that God blesses us. God prospers us. God gives us of himself and his spirit. And then there's a stage two is a cycle of like, okay, thank you, Lord, but now I want to do my own thing. Stroke a cycle number two of disobedience or of, um, of just um, running wild a bit, just doing our own thing. And then the third part is warnings. The prophets begin to warn and the, and the leaders begin to preach us. The, the men and women who can hear God begin to, to cry out and they say, like, don't chew me, bro. I want to do what I want to do. I, I, you know, don't, don't, don't tell me that I've got to come to a prayer meeting, amen? Um, I want to hold on to my money because uh, rich people are stingy, you know what I'm saying? No, 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 that's, that's, and so the, the prophets begin to speak, and then nothing happens, so the nations begin to invade. That's what happens, that's the cycle, foreign nations, Nebuchadnezzar in this case, the Persians, then there's misery, 
I think that's the fifth part. Then there's, so there's blessings, there's disobedience, there's warnings, there's invasion, there's misery. Misery, misery, misery. Oh, please pray for me. And then there is intervention and God moves again. And we go back to prosperity and blessing. <laughs> and so there's the cycle in our lives. And I said, Lord, I want to stay in, 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 the, in the cycle of your blessing and your prosperity, even though I walk to the valley of the shadow of death. Let's get into Psalm 74. And so this is a, a guy that's a little bit naked um, uh, in his prayer. He's not, he's not dressed. He's not polite necessarily. He's not, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, he's not trying to put on a religious show. He just gutses his prayer out. And he says, why have you rejected us forever, O Lord? So, so like, you forever rejected us. Hey, hold on, Asaph, easy, bro. No, no, why have you rejected us forever? <laughs> you see, when you read the Psalms and you put yourself into the story, you think, gee, you know, like this guy's very emotive. Emotive means he's trying to, he's, he's very emotional. He's like, we would tell him to sit down and be quiet. Okay. Why does your anger smolder against the sheep of your pasture? Now that's little phrase. It's like your anger is so intense. It's like smoke blowing across the fields of Israel that you can't even see your sheep. That's what it means. It's like a smoke. You know, in war, you, you smoke things out so the enemy can't see you. It's like, he says, you, your anger is so fierce. Your burning is so bright. It's like smoke smoldering and you, you can't even see us. I mean, I've been running for cover. I say, Asaph, you're on your own, bro. I'm just, I'm going to go and sit under the tree while you pray this prayer. It's easy to believe God has rejected us. He's done with us. He sidelined us. Many Christians suffer from that. I did eight things well, but these two things, I was saying to the Rooties last night, don't let the two things disqualify you from the eight things that you did well. But we are like that. Our human nature is, well, I did this badly. My wife and I had a huge fight. I stole money from the tax man. <laughs> Whatever your issue is, you know. And then everything you've done is forgotten, and the devil says, yeah, because you're bad. And so sometimes we, we tend to look at the bad of our lives, and we, you know, if God should, why should he bother? Because this is who I truly am. Now, some of us have got the opposite problem. We think we're just the bee's knees, but many of us live in the space of, well, why should God bother? bother? The enemy wants to destroy God's people. We know that. And this man, Asaph, is beginning to intercede. This man is one who stands in the bridge between a broken and a destitute nation and a loving, compassionate God. And he's trying to get God to come over. He's trying to get God to, to, to walk across this flaky bridge of our unfaithfulness. And he's, he's, he's gutsing it out. Remember, verse 2, the people or the congregation you bought you bought us, Lord. <laughs> you redeemed us. You chose us. You knew who we were. Some people say, oh, like I'm done with the church. I'm saying, yeah, I know who we are. Don't worry. And you, you're the same, bro. So stop crowing. You're also the church. I'm the church. We're the church. And he says, you, you purchased us. Remember, God, have you forgotten? You purchased us a long time ago. Oh, ancient of days. Hey, tools. Good. Oh, ancient of days, the God who never changes, the God who is kind and compassionate, the God who knew our weakness, who knew that we were just the slave people broken. You purchased us, God. Have you forgotten that you put? Remember, he says, don't forget. 
Is the psalm up? Please leave it up so people can see in case I'm talking rubbish. We are the tribe of your inheritance. You know, one of the things is that people get so tense when they lose their inheritance. Have you ever heard of situations where people get cut out of inheritance? I, it devastates me when I hear that. I've heard it. Cut out, cut out. Well, I, I was cut out. He says, we are your inheritance, God. We are the ones that you inherited. And he, he, again, it's emotive. Whom you redeemed. Mount Zion, where you dwelt. You even dwelt among us. Have you forgotten us? What's the smoke blowing across the billows of the church? You dwelt among us, God. Remember, remember, remember your Shekinah glory. Remember the cloud when everyone stood outside their tents. Remember the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night, your very presence. Remember how you struck the Egyptians and liberated your people. Somebody give me an amen. I'm, I'm working hard here. Thank you. With your blood, you purchased men for God. We know who we are. We, we know we have gifts and, and people say, you're amazing. We also know that, oh, she's lowered out like, what am I thinking, God? We know who we are, but yet we're God's redeemed. We've been purchased with his blood, amen? And we're his. From every tribe, God promised Abraham, since there was no one greater to whom he could swear by, he swore by himself. He says, listen, I know you're fickle. I know you're broken, so I'll swear by myself. And so you and I live in a place under a canopy, under an umbrella where God has purchased us. He's covenanted by himself. So you can even pray these prayers. Nothing in all creation will be able to separate you from the love of God. Nothing. Angels, demons, hearts, depths, nothing. Good times, bad times. That's the security that we have. That doesn't mean I have license to behave poorly. But if I do stumble and I do fall and I am disappointed in who I am and I'm awkward with people or whatever your issue is, sir, ma'am, young person, that you were bullied at school. I was bullied at school. I bullied at school. Amen? We are guilty and we are victims. Turn your steps, verse 3. You're walking away from us, God. You've abandoned us, God. Would you please turn your steps? You can pray this, brothers and sisters, on your veranda, in your lounge, on the beach, whatever you're going to do, in your office. He's saying, no, no, please stop walking away. If I say, could you, could you turn around, please, and face me? And a husband and wife, they... Let's talk to each other. Let's face each other. Let's turn our steps. Turn your steps towards these everlasting. I mean, this guy, I mean, the theologians like, oh, God, you know, especially the, some theologians say, this guy's like crazy. To these eternal or everlasting or perpetual ruins. I mean, he's, he's saying, you've, you've abandoned us forever. I think this is brilliant, guys. I think this is, this, is, this, is, this is guts. This is spiritual courage. This is a man and a woman who will weep and wail for the, for the house of Israel. These are people that will cry out for the church. These are people that will intercede in the two o'clock in the morning for the church. They'll just sniff something and they'll think, hey, I'm worried for your church, Lord, and they'll cry out, they'll petition. These are perpetual ruins. I'm unhappy that I drive up Brer Road and I see Jim where there should be a church. Oh, you know, the Presbyterians. No, no, the Presbyterians love God. Amen. They're good people. 
We are the leaders. We are the ASAFs of the church. We are the men and women who will say, listen, uh, the coffee is not good. I'm going to make coffee. Uh, the coffee machine's broken. Well, can I fix it? Um, Tula needs sound guys. I'm going to go and learn how to play music, <laughs> but not with the tools. <laughs> Perpetual ruins, all this destruction, all this evil the enemy has brought on the sanctuary, which means the holy place of your dwelling, God. Turn your steps. You've walked away. Turn to come into our ruins. Lift your feet, Lord. Actually, I mean, I see how the rabbis talk about this. It's like quite strong. They're saying, lift your feet. They're going to look at the Hebrew words and the meanings. Get your feet moving, God. Please come back. I want you to come into these ruins. Do I have any ruins? Yes. Yes. Do you have some ruins? Yes. <laughs> We've got ruins. Any honest Christian will say, I've got some ruins. You know, some people blame the devil for everything. Devil, this is the devil, the devil's fault. The devil made me do it. We can't say that. And it was a charismatic cliche that we had. But in this case, the destruction the devil and the enemy has brought on the sanctuary. Do you know that the devil, Satan, Lucifer, call him what you want, legion of darkness and they, they will fight the church. They, 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 right now, there are demons, there are principalities and powers going for you, sir, you, ma'am, and the church of Jesus. Do you know that? Gunning for the elders, gunning for the deacons, always trying, waiting, uh, seducing, calling, whispering, accusing all the time. All the time. He's always accusing the brethren. And so in this case, the destruction that the enemy has brought on the sanctuary, and I want to say to you, be aware of the ploys of the enemy against your own life. Be aware that the enemy will try and disrupt the church. He will try and disrupt the sanctuary, the holy place. Your foes roared in the place, verse 4, where you met with us. So what would happen is if you walked past Israel or the temple, which we actually did, happy and I, walked past actually one of the synagogues in the old city of Jerusalem, and they were worshiping on, I think, a Saturday morning, and I was stopped and I was stunned at the sound of worship that came out of a synagogue in, in Israel, Jerusalem. I just thought, wow, I thought we were worshipers. These, the roof was lifting. They were like worshiping God passionately. This is in about 1988, 87, they cut. Now, Asaph is saying, your foes roared. In other words, they lifted their voices where you, meet with, where you met with us, where we would lift our voices, where we sang, where we worshiped, where you, we proclaimed your name, they are roaring. They have lifted their voices and they have set up their standards as signs. In other words, they're saying, no, we will tell you about how things should be. We will tell you about our God. We will tell you about what we believe. And if you look today on the media, at universities across the world, this is... Don't talk to us about God. Don't you dare speak about the Bible. We're going to change our founding plaques, etc., etc. This is how it is now. Your Christianity is hate speech. They are roaring over the Word of God. Is that right? Verse 5. So, so this is Asaph who's now fighting. You could say for his own life, but actually he's actually fighting for Israel. But sometimes I need to fight for my own life. Sometimes I need to fight for the life of the church. Your foes, okay, roared. 
They behave like men. Okay, we, we continue with this psalm. Wielding axes to cut through a thicket of trees. One of the things that you see these marauding guys just hacking and cutting and slashing with pangas and axes through the thicket of trees. That's how it seems to Asaph. They smashed, so now they've entered the temple. What happened to Solomon's temple? Now, we don't know what he's talking about exactly here, just to be theologically accurate. But we know that Solomon's temple was the most unbelievable temple that if you walked into Solomon's temple, you would have like almost fainted with wonder at the craft and the, and the, the ornateness and the gold and the chambers and the rooms and the decorations were out of this world. They smashed all the carved paneling. I've, I've put in my notes other translations, the engravings, with their axes and their hatchets and their sledgehammers. So what they did is they walked into the temple and they wholesale desecrated the house of God. We want no traces of God's holy temple where he dwells. My notes, the enemy wants to destroy God's sacred, decorated, beautiful, gifted people. You... I can tell you that I, I know a man, he's still alive, that when he got saved with us together in the late 70s, out of, out of the stage, he would just walk up to the stage and he'd begin to sing a prophetic song that everybody, he was a friend of ours, he got saved at the same time, when we begin to sing, it was glorious. He would sing in the spirit, actually, in the good old charismatic days. He don't love Jesus no more. The, the, the ornate gift, the gift that God gave him, it's gone. Marriage is over. I hear he's on drugs. What is that? That's the devil plundered. The devil took the, the temple where God inhabits, the people of God. They smashed everything. You, I can tell you a testimony of a man from Invisible Church that, I've, that I heard when I was in my, I think, 19 years old. I think I was 18. I don't remember. It profoundly impacted me. It, it hit me in the middle of my guts. I don't know where he is today, but I hear he's not in a good place. In fact, he has passed away, and he struggled. And so the devil sometimes has victory, amen? And I'm hoping that this psalm puts strength into us. They burned your sanctuary to the ground. They defiled the dwelling place of your name. So it's like, and most theologians are trying to find Jesus in this, in this psalm, so they go to destroy this temple. Jesus says, in three days, I'll raise it up again, speaking of his temple. And so they burned your sanctuary. They defiled your dwelling place. Your name, Yahweh, no longer. It's done. Can't see it. Hey, God, where are you? Turn your feet. Whew, blow the smoke away, Lord. Come once again in anticipation of your visitation, Lord. Come once again. They said in their hearts, we will crush them completely. Sometimes we think the devil just wants us, as long as you just stay nice and quiet, you don't get anyone saved. No, he will crush us completely. And so Asaph is saying they've tried to crush us. They burn every place where God was worshipped in the land. And so you can hear his pain and his cry. I wonder if you're an intercessor here this morning. I wonder if God has called you to be a leader this morning. You're a leader in the making. If you're a leader or an elder in the, ma in the making or a deacon in the making or you have a, any one of the fivefold ministry gifts, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, you'll begin to, in your spirit right now, you'll begin to say, God has called me to stand for his church. I may not, 
I may be broken. I may have struggles. My bank account may be difficult. I may have relational problems. Maybe my husband doesn't love me or my wife doesn't love me, but I will stand for the church. Is there anybody like that here? Thank you. That your life is given, that your life is given for another. His name is Jesus. And he says, I'm preparing a bride. And you're saying, like these, these rooties, they just served this year. Just served. They just gave and they served and they were stretched to the limit and there were tears and there was like times, I can't do this anymore. They did it. Would you be given to the church of Jesus to that bride he's coming back for and saying, Lord, I had to go. <laughs> he goes on to say in verse 9, we are given no miraculous signs. Where are your miracles? People walk out sometime down the way. Where are the miracles in this church, Nick? I'm saying, help me, bro. Intercede if you want miracles. I can't make miracles. Nobody said the Holy Spirit's left. I've been told a number of times the Holy Spirit's gone. Well, what are you doing about it? Do you think we, do you think we are not crying out for God's miracles? Where are your miracles, oh God? And so we manufacture miracles. Please don't do that, Amen. We're given no miracles, miraculous signs. There's no prophets that are left. Gee, that's a huge statement. What are prophets in those days? Prophets were men raised up by God to give direction to Israel. That the, when the prophets spoke, they were on the money. They were on, they were on the track. They could hear, and they said, and then, thus saith the Lord. And the prophets would speak, and God would move. And the prophets had a clear soundtrack. You know those tins from their ears to God's ear, you know, with the string. And they could hear, and he says, that they, we, we, where are the miracles of the manna and the Jordan and the sea? Where, where, where are your prophets? Who, who will pray for that? Maybe you need a miracle personally. So if I need a miracle because I'm sick, or I need a miracle in my finances, or I need a miracle with my child, or I need a miracle in my marriage, I'm saying, God, okay, give me the miracle, but Lord, I want to pray for a miracle in your house, Amen. We are, we, are, we, are, we are hidden in, uh, in, in Christ, in God, right? Is that right? We've been hidden in Christ. God has hidden us in Christ. God has hidden us in Christ. So we are the ones like just, we are the body of Christ. We're just like Christ. Give us miraculous signs. How long? And no one knows how long. God, you've, you've, you're walking away. How long? How long? In anticipation, um, he, who knows that Asaph, God is saying, no, I'm, I'm not ready. I'm not, I'm, I'm not coming back, Asaph. Asaph, stop praying. What if God said, angels, that man Asaph, that family, they, 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 I'm going to turn. Wh wh why are you turning? Is it time? No, he, I'm turning because he's pulling my heart. He's pulling my heart towards my people. He's pulling my heart I'm not finished walking, but I hear this cry, I hear this petition, I hear this plea, and I'm going to start turning. It's not even time, but I'm going to start, oh, no, don't, no, you can't change God's mind. Asaph's trying his best. Theologians, please don't come and chase me after the service. How long will the enemy mock you? goes on, there's the second how long, verse 10, how long? Oh God, will the foe revile your name? He's clever enough to, he begins to say, God, it's you. It's not just us, it's you. It's you they're fighting. It's your name. It's your church. 
Will they revile you, desecrate you, insult you? Why do you hold back your right hand? What's the right hand? The right hand is the hand of God's intervention in the lives of his people, the right hand of salvation. We talk about God's right hand. Why do you hold back your hand, your very right hand? Take it from the folds of your garment and destroy them. Isn't that amazing? It's like God is sitting, some guys say, with his hands in his pockets. They didn't have pockets in those days. And of course, God doesn't wear clothes like we do necessarily, but it's a metaphor. It's a, so he's sitting like folded arms in his, saying, move your hand. He, he said, move your feet. But now would you move your hands? Don't just come towards us. Bring your hand into our lives. Take it from the folds of your garment and destroy them. Are your hands tired, O Lord? You see, Asaph believes God. Asaph believes in miracles. Asaph believes in the prophetic. Asaph believes in God's right hand of salvation. Amen? He doesn't moan about it. He, he petitions. He prays. He calls out. And then he changes it. Then he, verse 12, it's pivots. Are you still breathing? Ah, yeah. oh, but you, O Lord. Oh, you, Lord. You're my king from old. You're my Lord. I need you, God. You're my king. Just, just one voice. You bring salvation upon the earth. You're my master. You're my sovereign. You're my Lord. I love you. You're my king. You've saved me. You're the Lord that heals. Would you heal me, God? Would you heal that church? Actually, Katya and I, part of our jobs is Red Point Church, and we will fight for her, and we will stand for her, and we'll, but also many other churches God puts on our hearts. One of the, one of the calls or the gifts is to, is to have a heart for other churches. That's why when I hear about this church in Brea Road or other churches, I'm thinking, wow, Lord, wow, wow. Can, can we learn something, Lord? Bring your salvation upon the earth. It was you. Here he begins. Now, here come, here come the... Prayers. Here come the, you remind God. That's why Deuteronomy is, it's a book of reminding, of telling the story. Remind the children. Tell them what I did. Tell them what I'm like. Tell them how I delivered you. Tell them how you walked through the seas, generation after generation. Tell them how the manna came. Tell them when Moses threw that stick into the bitter waters, it became sweet. Tell them about when I struck the rock, that water gushed out. Tell them about the Jordan that rushed in flood. And he said, God said, cross it. And we put our feet in the Jordan. Tell them about Jericho where we just didn't raise a sword, but we raised a voice and the walls came down. It was you who opened the sea by your power. You who broke the heads of the monsters in the waters. He's got confidence in God, this man. You split open the Red Sea by your power. That word split open means you crumbled. It's from the word crumbs. You crumbled the sea. They were like crumbs to you. Because remember the sea and the monsters and the Leviathan that he speaks about was the very intimidating. So even to this day, when you go into the sea, you think, oh, this, is a, this thing can kill me. If I fall into it, I can die. Especially the sharks can eat me and the monsters and Leviathan and the Loch Ness monster, they can eat me. <laughs> and so for the Jew, the sea was a foreboding place. But for God, he just split it. And then he walked the, his people through. Amen? And then those people that wanted to kill them, he said, come, 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 come. Are you all in? Close the waters. And they were destroyed. You crushed the heads of Leviathan, that, the twisted one. 
You know, the, the many pictures of the demonic are like twisted serpents. They're vile, grotesque sea monsters. They, that's what they're referring to. He crushed the heads and gave them his food to the creatures of the desert. It was you who opened up the springs and the streams. What? Ah, oh, the Holy Spirit. The, the, the springs. I, I, I need refreshing, Lord. I was dry as a bone. I need your refreshing, God. I need, I need you. You know, you know, be an Asaph. Say, Lord, I know maybe. You know, Asaph doesn't repent. You know that. Asaph doesn't talk about Israel's problems. Israel doesn't talk about, I mean, Asaph doesn't talk about all Israel's other Psalms do. Hey, Lord, we know. We deserve it. He doesn't. He just says, hey, Lord, open up the springs, please. Come turn your feet, God. Take your hands out. Come, come, please, God. Where are your miracles? Actually, like Asaph. Thank you. Be an Asaph. Sometimes you say, oh, woe is me. Woe is the church. You know, God deserves to boot us up the butt. Fill me with your spirit. Pour out your spirit upon the church. As somebody said, you know, sometimes the spirit has left the church. Oh, really, sir? Well, what have you done about it? You see, that's how I think. I think... And maybe, please excuse me if I offend you, but let me offend you. We don't give ourselves the freedom. So if somebody says we're in trouble, I'm saying, okay, how can we help? What can we do? Well, the leaders have offended, have offended the spirit and he's left. How can we help? Can we pray for that church? We had Jamie and Lisa from Harbor City on Thursday night, and I asked some of you to come. We spent Thursday nights, our last prayer meeting, praying for Harbor City Church, for Jamie and Lisa, because they have no more venue. They have no way to go to. Amen. And that church has been hurt, actually. So we are here as a strong older brother church or a father church or a mother church, whatever you want to call yourself, and we want to pray for them, amen? And we left there a little bit tired and worn up and thought, yeah, if the Spirit has gone, pray. Open up the springs. And they said, you dried up the ever-flowing rivers. If there's a barrier in front of you, that probably speaks of the Jordan that, that God said, cross over. He said, we can't cross over. It's flooding. There's a barrier in front. Step in it. The day is yours and yours also the night. And the reason I love that, he's saying, you see, the sun governs the day, greater light, and the moon governs the night, lesser, lesser light. Sometimes you, in the day, you're saying, praise the Lord, things are good. In the night, there's shadows. In the night, there's doubts. In the night, it's difficult. But you govern them both. Amen. Govern my night and govern my day. Govern my blessings by day and govern my struggles by night. Amen. Thank you. Verse 17, it was you who set and established the boundaries of the earth. But Lord, he doesn't say this, but can I say this? But we crossed your boundaries. We went over our limits. We, we did what we shouldn't do. But he says, with you who set the boundaries of the earth and you who made summer and winter, what do I take from that? What are my boundaries, Lord? What boundaries have you set for my life? Kati and I have resolved there's some things we will never have. There's some, there's some things we are, we are, God will not give us. He has called us to this, which means he said, there's a boundary, Nick, I'm not, you're not there. Your friends may be there, your family may be there, but you're here. Settle it. In the boundaries of God are the blessings abound. Outside of the boundaries of God, the blessings don't abound, they leak. So I want to say, Lord, what are my boundaries? You've set the boundaries. Thank you, Father. Amen. 
And then he says, uh, he, he governs, what did he say? You made summer and winter. So, amen, summer's cool, but summer doesn't last forever. I'm just saying this for some of you that are in a winter. It's December, but I'm in winter. We all go through some kind of a winter. It's okay, amen? Winter tightens you up and will thrust you into summer once again to be even more fruitful. What are my no-go zones? What are the boundaries? Return to kingdom order. Israel, come back. Remember, verse 18, how the enemy has mocked you. He goes back now and he says, God, I'm appealing to you. How foolish people have reviled and blasphemed your name. Nearly finished, coming into land. Your foes roared in the place where you met with us. No, no, that's page two. Where's page four? It's going through the psalm. Carefully. I would love you to go through the psalms. I'm happy to give you... Um, I don't have page four. Okay, let me go to my notes. Where did I end? Verse 18. Do not hand over your life, the life of your dove to wild beasts. Man, can I just, can I pause there? Just, just listen carefully. One of the smartest things we can do, wisest things, is say, Lord, I'm your dove, which means, Lord, I'm vulnerable, I'm susceptible, there's an innocence about me. I'm, he postures himself as Israel being her dove. Isn't that beautiful? Do not hand over the life of your dove. You know that Cutty is my dove. She's like a dove to me. She's like a gift that's given. There's a tenderness to her. Okay, my mother wasn't like my wife. My wife, my wife, my wife was much stronger. She would say, be strong, get a life. I'm not feeling well. Take a discipline. They're like, tough. Don't come to me with your problems, she would say. Every time, even now, recently, just before she died. How are you, son? Are you strong? <laughs> oh, no, I've got to be with you. And maybe that's why I'm strong. But, but he postures himself as a dove. <laughs> I just love it. Yeah, you have to take it further. You don't, don't give your dove to the wild beasts. Have regard for your covenant. He brings out the covenant. Oh, Lord, you swore by yourself. Do not let the oppressed retreat in disgrace. We re don't let us retreat in disgrace. Can I just also pick up on verse 21? Many times, not many times, a number of times I want you to say, Lord, okay, Lord, I got you. Okay, I'll surrender. All the stuff going on, all the voices, all the people. Okay, okay. Do not retreat from your call, amen? Do not back off from what God has called you to. Be strong. Be like Asaph. Okay? And he's saying, do not let the oppressed Israel retreat in disgrace, where you have no grace, anti-grace. But may the poor and needy praise your name. Just read that again. I thought you were the head, not the tail. You're victorious. Now may the poor and the needy praise your name. I want to praise your name because I know who I am. And I'm a dove and I'm poor and I'm needy. You see, this is a wise prayer. And God begins to turn towards them. Rise up, O God. Here it is again. So move your feet, move your hands. And could you stand up? Could you rise up? Love it. And defend your cause. It's your cause. Israel's demise is your cause. Remember how fools mock you all day long. Last verse. 
Do not ignore the clamor of your adversaries, the uproar of your enemies, which rises continuously. And the, the commentator said, why does he end it there? Why does he end it there? Because the temple and the calamity wasn't over, but he's the intercessor. Can you stand with me, please? One Psalm, 73. I haven't heard a preach on it before uh, from myself. I've just... I think it's a great psalm. Tools, are you going up there? I found the song selection. Lazarus, come forth, O ancient of days. Open up the gates. Francois, can I hand over to you? Thank you so much, Nick. I think it's uh, what, what I've been hearing just as I was listening from this is that God has got a desire for each of us to really push into him, to, to not just accept where we find ourselves, but to call upon the promises of God, call upon the things that we know is true, call upon verse um, 20, Nick, you skipping verse 20? It's the, the covenant, the covenant-keeping God. Is the one that is so faithful. It's all these things that are so beautiful that he's, he's bringing. And even uh, right at the start when Nick was saying, Being, be still and know that I am God, just thought, why don't, you, why don't you take this challenge over this time? Find space and do as Nick has done with this psalm. Just go through it. Every line, everything. Ask God, how does it apply? What it is to me? I was just thinking, even the thing of be still and know that I am God. I've um, this last week read The Pursuit of God from Tozer again, and <clears throat> just of him speaking of, about the lack of us actually desiring an experience with God. He says the church is immature because we, we lack desiring the real thing to push in and be with him, spend time with him. And if you take that line, be still and know that I am God, just, what is it, eight words, you, you can write a paragraph on each of those. Be, it means it's a posture that you take it's not something that can just fall on you. You take that posture. You're going to be still. And then what is still? Quiet everything down. Quiet it down. The, the life is rushing past us. And all that is there is so that we can experience Him. God gives us with seasons, like we were saying. Summer, winter, He sets it in place. He's giving us a new year that we can but finish the one and enter into the other. But, but we, that's a rhythm. We spoke in the beginning of the year of of a weekly rhythm of actually stopping and beholding our God and what He has done for us. And like in this psalm, stop and behold, find where you're at and say, God, why am I at this place? Is it that I've opened myself up, whatever the case is, but I don't mind, I, I belong to you. And I'm calling on your covenant faithfulness. I'm calling on your, your things and I'm gonna stand my ground and I'm gonna anticipate you. And, I'm, and in my anticipation of you moving on my behalf, I am starting to worship you, Lord. I'm going to lift up your name. You know, things like that. Let it rise within us. So, Lord, we thank you as we worship now, as we just sing to you. We thank you for this beautiful exposition of a psalm that we sometimes just skip over because there's too much, ah, uh, these kind of things I don't identify with. But actually we can, Lord. We can, and we can just wait upon you. And I pray that you would, you would minister to us, Lord, and that we would minister to you even in this day, even in this song of worship, but in this time that you gift us with, that we would, would just enter into another level of, of intimacy and a knowing of you, Lord, from which life can flow and 
we can live victorious and overcoming. So we praise you for this beautiful day, Lord, for the gift of family, for the gift of this family and of worship, and receive our worship once again as we close with a song, Lord.